Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Soul Survivor Podcast. We are here, another week of off-season content, and this time our eighth casting draft, one that I have been looking forward to, one that I know you've been looking forward to, Ryan, and one that the audience was craving. I, can't believe, I just can't believe this is our eighth one. I feel like um, it was just yesterday we were like, all right, if we're going to do a draft, we got to do Second Chance too, And we've gone all the way now to our eighth theme and – Hypothetically, there's so many themes this could go on forever, but I think this is going to be a great one. I've also been looking forward to it. Um, a lot of potential here. A lot of diamonds in the rough. Yeah, I mean, we got some great comments over the last week on our Twitter posts um, with people that could be included on a pre-merge boot season. Pre-merge boots is so interesting because you we've seen so little of the people that you know we're going to be drafting tonight. But at the same time, we think that there could be some potential. We think that, you know, in, in terms of them as a player, we think that there could be potential for them to be great characters. So a lot of interesting names that we'll have in this draft in these drafts, you know, maybe some that you see frequently on social media, maybe some that you haven't heard in a really long time. So I'm looking forward to this. I think this theme has potential to work because if we have if we're gonna go off of second chance and what Kimmy Kappenberg and with Kelly Wentworth, or even with Game Changers with Brad Culpepper, we've seen a lot of the times where production or the fans think a pre-merged boot has a lot of potential and they come back and they prove that they had the chops to play the game. So I think this isn't a theme that you can write off like these are all you know people that we don't want to see back. They don't have any potential. I do think that there are a lot of people here that the internet wants to see play again. And I think past examples have set a precedence that proves these people could play the game. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that a season like this could work, but I think that if they're going to do a season like this, it's just going to be second chance too, and not be like legit pre-merge boots. The thing with pre-merge boots um, as a season and how realistic it is, is that when you think about it, you have your casual survivor fans and then you have your diehard survivor fans the diehard Survivor fans are all going to be excited for pre-merge boots, but then you have your casual fans who might not be as excited to tune into the season because they don't remember any of the names or at least a lot of the names. So I think that I don't know if Survivor would ever do it because of that reason, but a lot of these names could be featured in a potential second chance to ballot. So you never know. So I, I like this theme just for us to do and go through. Do I think it ever works as a Survivor season? I think it would work, but I don't know if Survivor would ever do it. Yeah, I think the probability is that we'll likely see a second chance season before this, um, almost definitely. I do think, though, that you're right, that we'll see some of these names pop up on the ballots, whether they were on the first ballot, whether they have been requested by fans since then. And you did bring up a great point um, right before we start this, that I think these people that you're going to see on our draft tonight, they kind of fall into two categories. You know, number one, this is a player where they have a lot of potential. They showed great promise in terms of being a social or strategic player. And they had maybe the chops to go far and be a great strategist. Or it's somebody that was a really mem memorable character. We remember them for a move they did or for a thing that they did or shouldn't have done. But they had potential to be even more iconic. So I think they're going to fall into two buckets tonight. Yeah, and one thing I also want to go through, and I found a pretty cool... Um, chart on this and you know it, it doesn't include some seasons but includes most I want to go through how many confessionals a lot of these players had through their short time on Survivor because I think it's telling because if you know if Survivor threw a ton of confessionals in for them early in the season you know Survivor really liked them as a character or as mm -hmm. a player 
So I really think that that's an interesting stat as well that people will enjoy. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, in terms of uh, off-topic stuff, Solomon wants to know if we could briefly talk about the Big Ten canceling football. Uh, Solomon, why did you bring it up? It's supposed to be a happy podcast. We both have our Penn State shirts on. Uh, so yeah, not only will we not have survivor in the fall, we're also going to have no big 10 football. Very unfortunate to see. I don't think they're going to end up playing in the spring, despite what they say. So it could be over another year until we see Penn state back on the field. And that is not great. <laughs> this real, this, this truly is the darkest timeline. I mean, we don't need to go into a whole discussion about how 2020 has been, but this is just the darkest timeline of all. Yeah. I mean, look, if, the Big Ten were to go according to their plan. We could have survive and and Survivor was to get back filming. We could have Penn State football intersecting with a spring Survivor season. So that that'd be pretty weird. But <laughs> you know, crazy crazy stuff happening right now. We don't know what's going on. Listen, and again, after 2020, 2021 can only go up. We can only go up from here, guys. So. <laughs> All right, let's get right to it. I'm really excited for this draft, Ryan. Mm-hmm. I put your name up first because oh. I drafted first last time. So I figure I'll give you the first pick this time. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, all right. I'm going to go with, let's see here. I'm going to go with Jatia from Kagiyan. Um, again, like I said, my board is going to be filled with both players and characters. Cause that's what the pre-merge gives us. I think if you are drafting a pre-merge season, or if you're doing a, second chance, but you need to have a few pre-merge slots. Jatia is one of the most memorable survivors in recent history within the last 15, 20 seasons from a pre-merge. And I just think that everything about her in four episodes, and Dylan, if you have the confessional count there, I'd be interested to see how much she got. But everything that we got from Jatia was hilariously bad. And it's the fact that she was not great at challenges, not great at puzzles, She's a nuclear engineer and she couldn't really put the shelter together. Um, She infamously dumps rice on the fire because they left the mental patient alone as she quoted herself. Um, And then then she gets voted out because while she may have been more loyal to Tasha and Cass over Spencer, they, I think, valued Spencer's challenge prowess more. Um, I do think, though, Dylan, one thing about Tatia is that she is very smart. I think she has learned from her time off the show. She's now a mom. She is a nuclear engineer, so she is obviously very intelligent. And if anybody watches some different social strategy games online, I'll, I'll bring that up a couple times tonight. Jatia has actually played on Sequester, if anybody watches Sequester. And I, and she's not only made it to the final six her first time, she won on her second time. So I think she's proven that if she ever did play again, she has more strategic and social chops this time. The physical, I can't promise that, but I think on the other two spheres, she might have that covered. Yeah, so two things here. So confessional count like you asked for. Um, Jatia actually had seven confessionals combined between her four episodes, which is wow. not a, it's not a ton, but I would like to see I would like to see how many confessionals on the season were about to Jatia to that point. Because maybe she was not talking, but other people were definitely talking about her. You know, like you said, one of the most memorable early boots we've ever seen, you know, dumping rice in the fire just, you know, pretty much being despised by her tribe early on. Um, but somebody who outside the game we could see is really, really smart due to herself being a nuclear engineer. 
Um, and also I was going to say, if you have been reading or have been following, I know you have Ryan, but if you're out there and you know, if you haven't seen this, Dalton Ross has been doing interviews with random survivor players about their seasons. And she, he recently did one about Jatia and Jatia actually said that she would play again. So I don't know, maybe we see her on a second chance ballot. You never know. I have a feeling, even though she was a bit of a train wreck to watch, I think the fans and the, um, the producers love Jatia. Maybe not in the moment, because I think seeing her dump out the rice and seeing her not get voted out must have been so infuriating for people. But I think over time, people had just come to love Jatia, especially you know on Twitter and on social media. So I think if she wants to play again, I think it'd be a great get for the show. Yeah, I, I completely agree. All right, so to move on, I am going to go with... Wow, some tough choices. We got we got a whole wide range of people here. I'm gonna go with Reem. So I'll, 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 I'll take I'll take the two we we the two first two picks off the board are the two people who were in the thumbnail for the YouTube video. Um, yeah, Reem. We've I believe we had her on one of our previous casts. I think it was maybe second chance, or she was um, mentioned at least as an honorable mention there. Um, but yeah, Reem is somebody who, if no Edge of Extinction, would have been completely forgotten about however she goes on edge of extinction and just is one of the stars of the season just her from her confessionals you know she's just like a tell it like it is person and you know look i'm we all know that we're not huge edge of extinction people but if there was one benefit it's that characters like that get added time added confessionals and that's why jeff likes it as well because a player like reem you would have never got to see again and we got to at least see her have confessionals uh, throughout the season. So I don't, I don't know if Reem will ever play again. Maybe if she does, it'll be like a Francesca type, uh, Francesca type situation where she, you know, possibly comes back in a returnee season for a second chance, but I don't know, but I, I, I would like to see her if there was a pre pre merge boot season. I love Reem. I, I just, I love Reem so much. I, again, you brought up all the points I was going to mention. If we don't have EOE, um, and again, we don't love Yoey, we wouldn't have gotten Reem. And I think that she deserves credit for staying out there for 32 days, as Jeff mentioned, especially because she must have known. She must have known that her chances of getting in due to physicality were very slim, especially when you're going up against Joe or Eric or Kelly Wentworth and some of these challenges. It, it can be tough, and your probability is very slim. I mean, that's the reason why Sandra was like, I'm I'm stepping out. I'm not going to beat Rob. I'm not, not going to beat Par. I'm not going to beat Natalie in this challenge. So you have to give her a lot of credits, being the first boot and just sticking through it. And I think she's a great personality because of her confessional. She also wasn't afraid to get into fights with Wardog, with Chris. Um, I could I could mimic Reem for hours with a dude. Are you serious? But um. I just think that if there is a second chance or there is some type of season where she can get another shot at the million, I think it'd be great. And I, th I think the fans all love Reem too. Like, I think Jatia is great, but I think you could maybe argue some would not be a big fan of Jatia. She's maybe polarizing. I think everybody just loves Reem. So I would love to see Reem back. Yeah. So I actually found a confessional count for season 38 and Reem had 15 confessionals throughout the season which is not a ton but it's also the same as aurora who finished in seventh and it's more than julia eric even um 
Yeah, more than Julian Eric as well. Um, so look, she she finished higher in confessionals than three people that were ahead of her and tied with somebody who was in seventh. So mm-hmm. that's pretty good for a first boot. I know it was edge of extinction season, but yeah, I'm gonna keep bringing these confessional counts up because I think they're really. Yeah. I think it's actually really interesting, and it proves right. that she's a great character because the producers are gonna show if if you're giving good confessionals, they're gonna show it. I mean, mm-hmm. all the time on interviews, Jeff and other people mentioned, like, I will show you if you're giving us good stuff, we're going to air it. If, if I ask you a question at tribal and you give me a two word answer, we're not going to air it. So Reem obviously was giving them what they wanted. Um, and to Solomon and uh, SP fan 68 comments in the chats. Um, if you, I, I know we didn't see the full Reman war dog argument, but if you go to a secret scene on YouTube, it's there and it's amazing. And yes, um, to SP fans' comments, when I'm doing the Reem impression, I'm kind of doing an impression of Rob Sesternino doing an impression of Reem, but it's it's yeah. so great. Yeah, uh, I hope we see Reem back. Mm-hmm. All right, your pick. All right, I'm going to stick with characters. I, I think because I'm excited to see characters and discuss them, I'm going to make that my first few picks, and then I'll make some more hidden gems as potential players later on in my draft. Um, I got to go with Drew Christie here. I think. Drew Christie might have the single quickest fall from grace in an episode. I think that I haven't seen anybody honestly destroy their game in a 40 40 minute episode than Drew Christie, because in the first three episodes, we don't see a lot of Drew because Hunapu, the blue tribe is winning immunity. They're doing really well. And all the focus is on Koyopa. But over time, you see a few confessionals where Natalie and uh, Wentworth are getting pretty annoyed with Drew. He's kind of annoying. He's sleeping around camp. He's not doing too much. And it's kind of, you say to yourself, could he be a pre-merge boot? Could he be the merge boot? Could he be a goat to the end? We don't really know. And then we get to episode four and it is a whole episode of Drew just tanking his game from trying to negotiate the Flint with Jeff and Jeff's just, you know, jerking his chain. Then you have Drew talking about voting out Kelly Wentworth in front of Kelly Wentworth, and he doesn't really care that she's within earshot. Um, he steps up to be the hero in the challenge for immunity and then throws the challenge and then gets voted out by all the women on the tribe. So again, I'm trying to just think of another example of somebody that has had a quicker fall, and I can't think of one. But Drew is obviously, like Jatia and Reem, great television, so he'd be great if he wants to come back. All right. Two confessional count for here. So Drew Christie had a total of 13 confessionals in four episodes. He had nine in the episode that he got voted out in. Interesting fact here also, he had 13 confessionals for the season compared to Kelly Wentworth's six, which was the second least on the season. And Kelly Wentworth ends up coming back not once, but twice more. Pretty interesting stuff. Listen, I drew, everyone says I think Drew Christie was a prophet. I mean, he said Kelly Wentworth is the most dangerous player in this game. She knows every episode. She's a huge threat. And then Kelly gets voted out next episode after him. And I think at the time we all were like, okay, I mean, Drew, you kind of missed a few miles off the fastball. You weren't accurate. And look what Kelly Wentworth has grown into, a legendary player in second chance and a strong player in Edge of Extinction. So we have to give Drew Christie a lot of credit here for being a prophet. Yeah, for sure. All right, moving on to our next pick. I'm going to go with... I'll go old school. I'll go with Aaron Reesberger from China. I know he was in one of our other drafts, but I want to include him again here. 
Um, yeah, so Aaron, you know, somebody who was screwed badly by a pretty bad twist, a twist that we have only seen one time. Um, Aaron seemed to be in control of the game with Amanda and with Todd early in that China game. And then next thing you know, he gets swapped to the other tribe because the other tribe wants him to come over with James. And then he ends up going right before James, even though James was like a little bit stronger, a lot stronger. And people thought, and you know, you would think that you would have thought at the time that James was going to go home first. It ends up being Aaron. And I think a lot of people liked Aaron and said, you know what? He got screwed by a twist. He could have probably ended up in final seven, final six, final five had that twist not been there. So wanted to get an old school pick in, wanted to get somebody who, you know, has been brought up a lot among Survivor fans. So wanted to get that in there. I would be curious to see if um, the kidnap twist doesn't happen or if he wasn't the one taken to John who I would be curious how far he would have gotten. I wonder if he would have been in a similar spot to John Robert and Todd decides to take Aaron out as a uh, social threat. Um, I do think that he had potential as, you know, a physical player and as a um, social player, I think he was well liked on the Fei Long tribe. The one thing I did mention when we did um, bad breaks for a uh, draft was I listened to an interview that Rob did with PG and I think I mentioned this last time, but I think Aaron actually was in a good spot coming on to John who, and they were going to get rid of James there when they threw the challenge. But in the end, I think Aaron was a bit too secretive and he was too close to the vest and wasn't willing to give up a lot of tribe secrets. And I think PG and Jamie didn't want to work with him. So I know the show didn't really, you know, display that a lot, but I would be interested to see if he came back. Maybe he learned from that, and I would be interested to see if he could change his game. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's very interesting that James was supposed to go home and then, like, it changed at the last minute. But to go to confessional count, like we've been doing for every person, mm-hmm. Aaron had 10 confessionals in his season, which is not a ton because he only lasted five episodes, which is obviously an average of two per episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but he did have five in the episode he was voted out. I know that's probably because he was voted out. That's why he had a lot of confessionals, but... Yeah, I I think that Aaron was a lock for this cast personally. Um, I was definitely going to take him. So, mm-hmm. all right, back to you. All right, I'm going to go with Francesca for the sole reason that I want to see her play on a season without Philip and without uh, um, a legend like Boston Rob. I just think that in her two premiere episodes, and obviously the confessional count's going to be kind of high, higher due to um, Redemption Island. Well, actually, if she didn't really survive a duel, I guess it wouldn't be that high. But um, I just think that physically she's very capable. Uh, we saw that in Redemption Island and in Caramo, and especially in that water slaughter challenge. And I just think that she was put in a really bad spot with Philip, and she makes great social connections. I think she's a great social player. Um, after the show... She's great friends with Corinne. I think she and Andrea like each other. She's friends with a lot of people from her season. So I feel like at the time, and I don't remember if this was actually the case, but I feel like it was almost a joke. It was almost like, hey guys, we don't want to go home first. Let's just send home Francesca. She could be uh, out first twice. And I think Cochran was actually the one that pushed that narrative. I mean, good for him, but I think he pushed the narrative of let's have her go out first. So none of us have to go out first. And it'd be kind of funny, right? If she goes out first twice. And I just felt so terrible. And I think Philip just jumped on the bandwagon and really just drove, just drove that home. And I do think that she has some potential there. 
So I would like to see her come back. I don't think after two times out first, she would. I'd be interest, interested to see if Dalton ever did one of those interviews with Francesca, if she would want to come back. I'm going to guess no, but I think she has a lot of potential if she's put into an actually good starting tribe. Yeah, Francesca, um, the you know the most memorable first boot of all time because it happened twice. Um, yeah, I I would actually... I don't know if we're ever, I don't think we'll ever see her back for sure, but I think it would be interesting to see her in a season without Philip. Like Philip was basically one of like the reason she goes home twice first boot. Plus like, I know you mentioned Cochran had a, may have pushed that narrative for her to go home first. I believe if my memory is correct, he Cochran also had a confessional where he was like, Oh, I would feel like an awful person if, if, if she got sent home twice. Like, yeah, I, I, I don't, and like like SP fan says right here, yeah, I don't I don't think she's coming back. Um, no. But you know, in a pre-merge boot season, you know, this somebody she's somebody that you would think has to be in consideration. Oh. Now, if we're looking at confessionals for her seasons, she had twelve, um, twelve conf- twelve confessionals in um, season twenty two, and then she had let's check Caramoan. She had nine in the first episode of Caramoan, which was the only episode she was seen. Um, in in Redemption Island, she had a few. She had seven in the first episode, but she had a few more after that because of the Redemption Island factor. Um, but yeah, somebody that she's somebody that Survivor, you know, clearly really likes a lot. Somebody that Survivor, you know, loves as a character and her confessionals. So I think it's a good pick. Yeah. And again, I know that we mentioned and we go back and forth all the time, whether we're going to make this like a realistic pick or a pick where we know they're not, they're not going to want to come back, but we still want to see them on this uh, draft because they fit the theme. I think it kind of, you know, changes week to week with how we want to do it. Um, I do think we have to be realistic and say, will they ever want to come back? But, you know, sometimes we want to just go with what fits the theme and who we want to see back. So that might run counter, but it's still something we have to consider. Yeah, for sure. All right. My next pick here. Are we going to go with a, another, cra- another, you know, like crazy character? Maybe, maybe, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to take uh napalm Natalie with my next pick, Natalie Cole from David versus Goliath. Um, yeah. I mean, do I even need to speak about what a great character she was? I mean, she was like all the conflict was revolving around her early in, you know, David versus Goliath, which was such a great season. Um, you know, the whole jacket situation with Angelina, like there's, there's just so many things. And, you know, she was one of those players that you felt like was going to go home, like every single episode. And then finally ends up going like, you know, eventually, but uh, just again, another really, really, really great character early in that season, which was obviously an amazing season and at the top of many people's lists. Yeah. And Solomon, she gave Angelina the cold shoulder cause she didn't give her the jackets. Um, yeah. I, I love Natalie Cole. I think Natalie actually back to SP fans point about people um, not coming back. I think in her intro package, whenever you say, whenever you watch those videos, like meet the cat, meet the players, I'm pretty sure she said in her, um, in her opening package, I'm playing once. I'm not going to play more than once. This is it, but I'm going to play like I'm a two-time player. Cause she, she's an executive. She's a publishing executive. As um, Will says in the chat, everything about her speaks power. I think that she, 
really made the pre-merge so much fun. I actually was really sad she left that early. I never put any stock into her as a potential winner of David versus Goliath, but she made the first five episodes or first, I guess, first six episodes, if you count like double episodes, really, really fun. And I think that her conflict with Jeremy was great. Her voting confessionals, she only had two voting confessionals, but those were both really hilarious. Um, and I think, again, we mentioned one time with Heroes versus Villains. I think she, yes, yeah, I, I got you, SP fan, I got you. Um, I think she basically is a great pre-merge villain. So she, I think she's awesome. Yeah, and you know, back to confessional count here. Um, Natalie, who finished fifteenth on David versus Goliath, had fifteen confessionals in five episodes. That's an average of three per episode. That's a lot, uh, yeah. especially for a pre-merge boot. Um, she had more confessionals than Lirza, who finished one place ahead of her. She had one more than John, who finished in twelfth, and she only had two less than Carl who finished all the way up at ninth. So Survivor clearly loved Natalie's confessionals, loved her as a conflict character. And you know, if we were doing pre-merge boots and we wanted to make this entertaining, then Natalie would be a great pick. Right. Of course. All right. Back to you. Back to me. I'm going to go with an old school name that I was going to save for later, but he's already been mentioned a couple times in the chat. So I got to go with him. Uh, give me Brian Corden from guatemala brian is somebody that like another person that you'll see on my draft later uh i think brian is super underrated and i i feel terrible because guatemala is a very forgotten season kind of like marquesas i think it's an underrated season and it's kind of like a hidden gem amongst reddit and survivor fanatics he showed a lot of promise he goes out in the pre-merge i think he's seventh one voted out but he is a really good social stealth player I forget if he was in good with Stephanie LaGrosa or if she was against him. I can't remember. I want to say they were aligned. But whenever they swapped tribes, he orchestrated a great blindside of Blake, who was like the golden boy of that tribe in that season. And I think after the show, actually, I think he does SAT prep. I remember once hearing in the um, through the grapevine that Brian does some SAT prep if anyone's looking for a tutor. But I also saw he was on a couple of different podcasts like, uh, survivor specialist survivor oz i think he does a lot of uh player rankings or recaps and he's somebody that i think i think if he wanted to come back he would and i think he would be great because i don't think he would be a big threat and again the only player to ever come back from guatemala that isn't steph lagrosa is danny so i would love to see brian you know be represented one more time Ooh, what did will say in the chat he also made danny a dossier for winners at war that's pretty cool actually <laughs> yeah um actually funny that you brought up the sat prep thing because my friend from home she at, well he brian's brian does sat prep on long island so my friend actually had him as yeah, a, there you go yeah. yeah i had him as an sat tutor at like a class or whatever it was through some company or whatever i think that's pretty funny um but back to confessionals uh, he had 18 during a season, and he came in 12th place in the last six episodes, which means that it was an average of three per episode, just like Natalie. So another early, another early boot who was a great, great character and player pre-merge. So yeah. All right. Um, to my pick now. All right. I guess I guess I'll go with the guy since we're kind of doing girl guy, girl guy across the board. Hmm. 
This is tough. I'm going to go with... I'll go with Bryce from Kagayan. Um, I think that, you know, Bryce, you know, he talks about this a lot, that he feels like he got a raw deal on Kagayan because he just felt like he was very different than a lot of people that were on his tribe. Um, and I mean, I definitely think that that played a role probably in when he got voted out um, early. You know, he, he said he thought that he was an early, easy target, and that's why he did get voted out um, in Kagayan. Kagayan was such a great season. Um, and I feel like a lot of the pre-merged boots on that season could have been really, really good characters or players had they gone a little bit further. And we see that Bryce is very, very involved with the community, like very, very active on social media in terms of like survivor stuff. Um, Very good friends with Wendell. You see him with Wendell all the time. I just think that, you know, Bryce is somebody that is very well known amongst the survivor community for pre-merge boots. So I put him in there. I, I think it's actually a crime that Bryce hasn't been brought back yet. Kagiyan is stacked as a survivor as nice mentions in the chat. I think that he is somebody that if you ask me out of these eight people so far, who would you peg as somebody that you, you know, for a fact, they want to come back. I know Bryce wants to come back all the time. Whenever someone on Twitter says, Je- um, you know, Jeff invites invite Bryce back or why isn't Jeff, ba- uh, why isn't Bryce back at CBS? Bryce is always in the comments, like at Jeff Probst, hit me up. I'm here. I think Bryce really wants a second chance, and uh, I think he brings such great entertainment. I do think he got a raw deal being on that six-person beauty tribe, and I do think he's. I think he has learned from his season. I think he has pointed out if I knew it, it was a two-two-two split, and I and I knew that Jeremiah wasn't going to vote with me, I should have just cut my losses with Morgan, got her out of there, and I could have tried to make some inroads. Maybe if I swap tribes, I can basically get farther in the game. I think he realized that, so. If he's ever in a similar spot on a second chance season, I think he would know how to get out of that. And like I mentioned with Jatia, Bryce has played some social strategy games outside of Survivor. He did Survivor Philadelphia with Wendell. Uh, I don't know if you've heard, you heard of that, Dylan. Like whenever they do Survivor like Maryland, Survivor like different Survivor yeah, yeah. fan shows, he right. and he and Wendell did a fake uh, one in Philadelphia that was actually pretty fun, and he did pretty well. And then he also like Jatia played Sequester as well. So Bryce is hysterical. I think Bryce is obviously a big name on the Twitter community and the RHAP community. And I think everybody wants to see Bryce get another shot. Yeah. Like Will says here, love that pick. Bryce will provide such good TV. He was by far the most enter- entertaining mm-hmm. part of the beauty tribe. We were robbed of him. Couldn't agree we more. We were robbed. And if we're talking about confessional count again, he had six confessionals in three episodes, not a ton, but his confessionals were def- definitely entertaining. And it was, he was, possibly the most entertaining on the beauty tribe so yeah i think it's tough because when it's Kagiyan and you have so many great characters and three tribes and only an hour it's tough to show everybody and the beauty tribe won the first two challenges so he didn't get a chance to be shown but i think there was a lot more there right i completely agree mm-hmm. all right back to you all right Let's see it Oops. See, now now that we're knocking a lot of big names off the board, we're starting to get into some great potential players that I'm really excited to talk about. Um, okay, give me Tracy from Micronesia. And I think out of all the names on this list, when I was doing my prep for this podcast, I did not expect to pick her. So I went through Reddit, I went through YouTube, and I kind of was saying, why is everybody on Reddit? And why is everybody in the comments? Why is everybody saying Tracy? What do I not remember? I remember Micronesia very well. I remember her going out pre-merge on the Swap Malakal tribe. What am I missing? And I go back and look at episode by episode. 
And she is a really underrated player that gets out of a lot of tough situations. Because if you forgot, her two main allies were Chet and Kathy. One was Kathy who uh, quits Micronesia and the other one was Chet. So not, not, not a great selection of allies to work with. And it's very clear on the fans tribe in the premiere that those three are on the outs and they are in a bad, bad spot. But she essentially, from what I recall now, she gets the fans tribe to flip on Mary and Mikey B. So she kind of infiltrates the majority and gets them to take out Mary because I think Joel was the biggest guy on the fans. And I think he was maybe threatened by Mikey B, who was a physical, likable guy. And she convinces him to take out Mikey's closest ally, Mary. And then they take out Mikey at the next tribal. So she saves herself and her allies again. And then when they swap tribes, she actually takes out Joel and I think the problem is here, if she was able to pull together herself, Chet, Amy, and Eric, I think she, and I, I hate to say this because this would have been a, a weird timeline, we could have lost Amanda or Ozzy or Sari in some weird way on that tribe if she got her feet under her. I just think she was put into a bad spot. But if she ever came back, and I don't think she would just because I feel like the show has forgotten her, I think she'd be a ruthless player. I actually think it's really interesting that you mentioned that about her two her two um allies being Kathy and Chet like that's that's un, that's unfortunate like you got like that's unfortunate you know somebody who's you know trying to play the game a fan and you have two allies who kind of just <laughs> cut and aren't great um yeah i and i mean like like you said also she she was very good early in the game in terms of getting out some of those players who were threats early on um breaking up mary and i believe mikey right that was was that the was that the duo right mary and mikey and then also joel early on as well now if you look at confessionals here um kathy uh not kathy uh tracy had 11 so not a ton but you know like you said she was a very good strategic player early you know this is this is somebody who i think is you know, we talk about how we want to split it up between people who are great characters and went early or people who are great strategists and went early. She would definitely fit under the strategy part. Sorry, I, I laughed out loud there because SP had one of the um, the best lines from Micronesia where it's Joel and Chet and he's like, I hit my head back there. I don't care. I know. <laughs> such, such a great exchange from uh, Chet and Joel. <laughs> All right. My pick now, I'm going to go with somebody who has been in the comments a few times. I'm going to go with Chelsea Walker from Islands of the Idols. Very fresh in our minds here. Um, just in the fall of 2019. Uh, we got a little bit of a screw up here. All right. So Chelsea. So fun fact about Chelsea. So when we were, when me and Hef, before we started this podcast, me and Hef, when we were going through the, um, like, you know, they do the bios right before all the seasons come out. So we were going through the bios, reading out loud the questions and answers, and we're trying to say, all right, let's try to peg our winner picks. Who do we think is going to go furthest? Who do we think is going to be really good? We did have Tommy going very far, but we also had Chelsea going very far. Chelsea's bio was great. I think that her her like her game early in the show was extremely under was extremely good, at least for the first two episodes until she ends up getting voted out. I believe she finishes 18th out of 20th on that season, but she goes home with an idol in her pocket. And let's, you know, let's talk about here going home with an idol in your pocket that early in the game. Like that has to hurt. Cause like, think about mentally here. You're thinking, all right, I have an idol in my pocket. I can't be the one to use it. Like when there's not 
that many people left. I mean, when there, when there's, when there's a lot of people left rather like you don't, you don't want to be that person who plays the idol for no reason earlier on the early on the game. So I do feel for her in that sense. I'll never forget me and half sitting in the apartment. We were like going crazy when she found, she found the idol. Cause we, at that point were like, Oh, she's obviously going to go far. Like we thought it was going to happen. It ends up not. I would not be surprised if she's on a second chance ballot. Like really would not. I think she actually will. She would be. Uh, Chelsea broke my heart, honestly. And I, I think this was the case for a lot of people. She was a lot of people's winner picks. I think she was my winner pick. Uh, my friends and I did a draft and it's funny. I had the second pick and I was going to take either Tommy who wins the season or Chelsea with my first pick. And I had the second pick. My friend took Tommy. So he, so in, in a way he automatically won the draft there, but um, I couldn't take Tommy. So I took Chelsea and I, I loved her bio the way she answered the questions. She's a Kirby enthusiasm fan. I thought Chelsea had it all going for her. She finds an idol and then gets blindsided in the pre-merge. And it, it hurt a lot because I thought she was going to go far. But I think that she would be a shoe-in for another chance season. I think, again, I, I, I said this back when we started our drafts, that I'm not sure how long it'll take for us to ever bring back people from IOI just after what happened. But eventually I do think that Chelsea might get another shot. Yeah. And I mean, we talk about, I actually, I actually said she was 18th. She was 17th, not 18th. Vince went out 18th. She went, she went, um, she went out 17th, but in terms of Chelsea, she had five confessionals, which was not a ton through four episodes. But I mean, the fact that she found an idol was extremely impressive. And let's not forget that she was part of some kind of, at least, show as as aaron told us when we had him on the show it was a show produced showmance uh between her and dean which is ends up being like the excuse that the show uses for why she ends up getting voted out um that vote her and dean end up voting karishma and she has she has six votes go against her she does not see it coming and she goes home with an idol in her pocket so again another person who has been pretty active in the Survivor community despite going out early. So I think that Chelsea will be on this. That, that's my bold prediction. I don't even know if it's a bold prediction. That's my bold prediction that she's on the second chance ballot. Oh, I, I would agree. I'm not sure if she en- will end up being one of the 10 uh, women chosen, but if the ballot is like the first one where there were, I think there, how many, how many choices were there on the ballot there? I obviously, I know we I mean, got down to 10 and 10. I think it's 30. It's probably 32. Right, thirty-two or thir- Yeah, I think it's thirty-two. Oh, so, so there were six extra men, six extra women. Yeah, I believe so. Yes, I, I think she'll be on the ballot for sure. I don't know if she'll be put on. Maybe she will because of recency bias, but I, I think she'll be on the ballot. Social media is a huge part of votes like that. So yeah. yeah, listen, Kelly Wentworth had a huge campaign to get back on, and look what happened. Right. Yeah. So SP fan sixty-eight here says. Jeff likes Chelsea. It's quite like, I think it's, so I think it's quite likely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think we'll see Chelsea back. That's, that's, I'm going to, I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to say that's my prediction. That'll be my prediction. Clearly it's not that bold where I don't know, but she'll be back. That's my prediction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Back to you. All right. And we are halfway done. Let's we are see. halfway done. All right. I will take Mr. Candace Cody, John Cody <laughs> from blood, versus water i really think that john uh was fun to watch in that season i think obviously he got taken out by brad Culpepper, which is why brad comes back for game changers but i think john really has it all i think he has the social game i think he has obviously a physical game he's a doctor so he's extremely smart and i think he had some strategy 
Um, and then obviously he survives for a long time on Redemption Island, eventually being taken out by Laura Moretz. So it's not a bad way to get taken out, but I really think John has a lot of potential here. I don't know if he was either asked back and he declined or he hasn't been asked back yet, but I really think John could do well on a returning player season. I feel like he's a guy that a lot of people are going to look to align with. I feel like maybe Brad was a bit threatened by John because John didn't share some of the clues to an idol or whatnot. But I think John demonstrated that he is a good ally. And I think that in this cast already, I could see some people saying, let's bring in John into our fold. Yeah. John was a player who clearly really, really smart. You know, he's a doctor and he was like, he was with it. He went out early, but he was, he was with it. And that's one of the reasons he ends up going out early. So I'm in full support of that pick. Mm -hmm. Um, I could go check out the confessional account as well right here. Um, John, he had 20 confessionals. Wow. That's a lot. So he had, he had 20, 20 confessionals through eight episodes and uh, only four of them were when he was out of the game. So that means that uh, 16 of his 20 confessionals were, th- were within the first three episodes. That's crazy. Yeah. And I do think that being partnered with partnered with Candace, I think did hurt the game a little bit. Um, and I think that he ha- again has that potential because we saw how great Kelly did without her dad And I think she said that I love playing with my dad and I wouldn't want to take away that from anything, but it was great getting to play and not having to worry about him on the other tribe. I think John was obviously worried about Candace um, on the other tribe. I think while they were both on redemption, I wonder what, what would have happened if, um, although I I guess in the end, I guess he did beat her and she did lose the duel, but actually I think in that duel, I think John came in first, Brad Culpepper came in second and Candace came in last. So I guess I would be curious if, that third person won the duel first and it came down to him and Candace. I wonder if anyone would give it up for the other one. Oh, John was in contention for game changers. No, there we go. Yeah. That's actually interesting. Mm -hmm. I I, SP fan. You're doing a great job here with all the, all the insider comments. I love to see it. (laughs) It it helps fill in some of the blanks. So we love it. All right. Um, my next pick, I'm going to, stick with the islands of the idols theme and we just got a comment right here um from vignesh sorry if i'm pronouncing that wrong he says jason from islands of the idols would be good on this cast he got screwed over and his vote out was a huge turning point in the game that is who i'm taking i'm taking jason jason linden um from islands of the idols now if you look at jason he is voted out because his vote in a in what was going to be a four four vote gets voided um, by Elaine. She had a, I I, I what what it what's the advantage called where where you get your vote canceled? I think it was just called like a vote block or a block. Yeah, right. a, a vote block, right? So she gets so basically the way the vote goes is he gets voted out by a four three vote, but he did not get to vote, and he was paired up with in an alliance with Dan. Uh, Dan, Lauren, and Tommy, right. And then he gets his vote blocked and gets uh, voted out by Elaine, Elizabeth, Missy, and Aaron. So, mm-hmm. yes. I I think he's very underrated. Like, I, I don't think that people look at that season and are like, we remember Jason. But if we're going on, a th- on you know, on somebody who was a strategist, but at the same time got screwed, then I think Jason's a good pick here. 
Yeah, I remember being a fan of Jason on IOI, um, especially after you saw the, the power trio of Jamal, Molly, and Jack. And then kind of um, Jason and Nora were left a bit as the outcasts to the side. I thought he did have some potential. Uh, I know Nora was a bit crazy and Nora was a fun character to watch, but I do think as a player, Jason did have some more, a more grounded sense of the game. So I'd be interested to see if A, he's ever offered a chance back and B, how he would do. I think it could, he could do well. Yeah, I, I completely agree. He tried to side with Nora. That, that was your first mistake, trying to side with Nora. Oh, oh how, how, could I, how could I forget the confessional counter? Uh, one sec, I gotta, I gotta look this up right here. Island of the Idols confessional count so we we have i have like a list for, for everyone watching i have like a list of confessional count counters here um but it only has like it has most of the seasons but not all and 39 is not one of the seasons that's included on this list so let me just pull this up real fast so jason had 10 confessionals through his six episodes not not bad not like a ton but not bad yeah all right back to you Back to me. And I only have this is getting tough. It always gets so tough towards the end because someone's gonna get left off. Um all right, I'm gonna go with a weird pick. I haven't seen her name mentioned at all. And I'm not sm- m- picking her because of what I saw on the show, but what I've seen from her after the show and uh, in other circumstances. So I'm gonna go with Figgy from Millennials versus Gen X. I actually think that without a Taylor there and uh, I don't know if she has a boyfriend now. I don't know if she's engaged, married. I'm not sure what her um, her relationship status is. Um, but I really wonder how she would do if not distracted by that showmance. I really do think that she, she's a fan of the game. I think that's one thing that people forget. They see Figgy. They think she's obviously beautiful. They think she got into a showmance and that's all they remember. But I think in the first episode, she says, like, people don't think this about me, but I'm a fan of the show i've been watching since that since i was a little girl i've seen every season i think she knows the game i think she has the potential to do well if there's no showman's potential out there and i think that had adam not flipped and taken figgy out at the swap she could have i think made a deep run if she reconnected with taylor and um jay and michelle and actually after the show she's really active on social media so we know she's still watching the show she's still very active she watches survivor and big brother which is on right now if anyone's not here. But um, <laughs> she also has played in some of uh, PG. If anyone doesn't know, PG is on Twitch, and she does a lot of social strategy game nights. One of them is Secret H um, or Secret Hands. And uh, Figgy actually had like a 4-0 record, and she's really, really good at those social strategy games. I mentioned that a couple times, but I do think that if you can do well in those games, it's a mark of a, a player who has a good game sense. So I would like to see her get another chance, and I think she could do well. Yeah. Uh, if you go on Survivor, never get involved in a showmance because it never seems to end well, whether it's Chelsea, whether it's Figgy. Um, even if Chelsea's was a show-produced showmance. It was a no-mance. It really was a no-mance. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, interesting that, you know, SP fan, you mentioned here, you said um, – uh also also one thing is that they chose to vote her out over taylor due to seeing her as the bigger threat interesting because so if you look at confessionals here taylor ends up having 23 confessionals um and he and he finished in 12th he had 23 confessionals so it was 
an average of like a little bit over two and a half per episode he was in. And then you have Figgy who had 12 herself, which is also not bad. That's two per episode herself. So Figgy and Taylor were a huge storyline early in millennials gen X. And I hate to see somebody go down because she's seen as a pair or a showmance or a duo. Like, like if she's put in a different situation, she'd go further in the game. I think it's a pretty good pick. Yeah. Thank you. All right. I'm going to go with somebody who was on the, actually the second chance ballot, but did not get in. Um, I'm going to go with Stephanie Valencia from redemption Island season 22. Um, look, when you talk about pairing yourself with the wrong people in the game early, Stephanie Valencia pretty much, you know, hits, hits the mark right there. Um, she, she's, you know, she is aligned with Russell early in the game and, you know, she did not realize that Ru- she kind of just figured, you know what, I'm with Russell Hans, like, we'll be good. We'll go far. Um, she did not realize that her tribe was going to end up throwing a challenge to, um, and to, to purposely get out Russell. Like, look, Russell was a huge threat in that game. He was always going to go early and she probably just should have aligned with other people. Um, but Russell, has told us when we were on a show, he said like Stephanie was like a very good player. Like he knew that she was a good player and she appeared to be somebody who was not afraid at all to make the big moves and be the villain. And I think that that's why she was on that second chance ballot because survivor saw that potential from her, even though she did go out early. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that Stephanie. Yeah, go ahead. Also big Nash. I did read your mind literally as I was announcing yeah, the Stephanie Valencia pick, he said, Quote, Stephanie, Stephanie from Redemption Island is a good pick also. She almost made the merge and had a lot of potential. She was targeted in large part for aligning with Russell and even made the second chance ballot. Yep. That's that's pretty much exactly how I feel to sum it up. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I, I think after the show, she's I, th- I think the biggest thing that I can give her a compliment for is that she owns her game. And that's something that you have to have as a player. You have to have adaptability and flexibility. Obviously, you need to have strategic, social, physical, yada, yada, yada. But you also need to have some type of awareness and humility. And I think that Stephanie, after the show, has said, look, I'm not going to make excuses. I aligned with Russell. I'm going to own that. I'm going to own that I chose to align with the biggest threat of my tribe, and I got taken out. It it would be a different thing if she said, "I, I was playing a great game. I don't know why I left. I don't think that means that you can come back and you can change your mistakes. I think she's proven that she knows where she went wrong and how she would fix it. And I do think that she does have some potential to go far. I, I mean, I, I don't remember her being bad in the challenges. So I think she'd be an asset early on, I think. And I know if she can get her feet under her and make some good allies, she could make a run at it potentially. Yeah. Um, look, in terms of confessionals here, we have her at 15 confessionals in so it was based on how many episodes she was in it was just a little bit over two per episode um but 15 confessionals for placing in 14th in an 18 person season is not bad at all and you know this was also a season where boston rob is stealing like half the confessionals on the show (laughs) he he actually per this this uh sheet i'm looking at right now actually has a percentage breakdown of each person's confessionals and rob had 22.88 percent of the confessionals in the show which is a ton that has to be a record, but Stephanie, I really like the pick by myself. Um, yeah. I, I think that survivor sees it as well. Yeah. Do you want to quickly answer uh survivor as nice as question now or save it for the end? We can do it now. We'll, we'll answer now. So what do you guys think? He wants to know, what do you think 
what do you guys think of people making big moves just for the sake of making big moves? Um, I, I mean, look, it's sometimes a lot of these people making the big moves could think it's the right move at the time. Like they, they don't necessarily just want, like a lot of them. Yes. They want to make the big move just to make the big move. But a lot of them also may think it's the right move. Um, somebody like war dog, for example, war dog, great character. I thought he was a decent game player, but made a horrific choice by voting out Kelly Wentworth and making that quote unquote big blindside move and gets voted out next vote because of it. I, I don't know. I, I think it depends on the situation. Um, I, I understand why people want to do it. Like they want to make, they want to make, um, they want to make the most of their time on the show. Like they want to have their episode where they make the move. And I understand that, but at the end, your goal is to make a million dollars and win the game. So in my opinion, look, there have been players who have stealthily made moves, th- made moves through the game and not like made a huge move quote unquote and ended up winning the game. So I think that you just got to be smart based on the context of where you, where you're situated. Yeah. I do think the two biggest things are context and timing. I think that if you're in a season where you have to make a big move because you have to shake up the game, you do it. Or if you need a big thing on your resume because the person next to you is a, a Rob, a Russell, a Parvati, a Kelly, like you need to make a big move. But I think if you don't have to, you shouldn't. I really think that with War Dog and even with, you know, Dominic, like War Dog is somebody who made the big move too early and he got taken out. You flip it and Dominic Abate, he doesn't make a big move. And, to, and he take he doesn't take out Wendell after the merge in Ghost Island, but if he, but if he does that, he becomes the next biggest threat on the board. Now, obviously, you could point to a few other things where Dom loses that last vote, but you need the good timing. Good timing really does separate the greats from from the goods or from the decents. I really think you need to know when to make a move and when to hold your cards and play later. And you're right; there have been winners who have won with a lot of big moves. But there are some people who have made it to the end of the game just being great social players, and they've gotten respect as well. So I really think it's context and timing. Yeah, I mean, Cochran pretty much said it in his game. Timing is like timing is everything, yeah. and that's that makes the makes the mark of a good player as survival. Yeah. Nice says in the comments here. So mm-hmm. anyway, on to your n- next pick, Ryan. We got three more left each, and I only have two men and one woman. Oh god, this is tough. I knew who I know who I'm gonna take for my last woman pick, my last female pick. I just need two more guys. Um, I will go. I think I, I think I saw it mentioned earlier, but I'm gonna go with Ace from Gabon. I, I saw it mentioned a couple times, and I had Ace uh, like in the middle of my list. Somebody from Gabon, and again, I think Gabon's one of those seasons that either doesn't get remembered a lot or doesn't get a lot of respect, but Ace was a pretty good pre-merge villain. Uh, the whole thing with his British accents and some people thinking it's fake or thinking it's real, um, and he, I think, had Sugar in his pocket, and then Sugar flipped on him. He was somebody that I think was very entertaining as well. I don't remember... I, I remember Gabon is sometimes you know forgotten because some of the cast was a little bit dry, but I think that um, Ace was a really great villain from the Coda tribe. And like a Drew Christie, he had a big downfall in the episode where both tribes go to tribal council and um, Sugar flips on him. So I feel like he would be a fun, again, pre-merge villain to see back. Yeah, 18 confessionals for Ace. So That's a lot. That is a lot. Um, yeah, I mean... Look, I I, I want to try to move this along so we could uh, take take a bunch of questions at the end. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna move on quick here. Um, but 
yeah, good pick. Um, but okay. Um, all right. So I need a guy also right now. I'm going to go with, Hmm. I have a few underrated picks. Yeah. Um, all right. This is somebody I think that survivor may consider having back in the right circumstance. Um, but I don't, I, if I had to guess, he won't be back, but I think it's possible. And it's very off the radar. I'm going to go with Jacob Derwin from Survivor Ghost Island. Um, if you don't remember Jacob, he was voted out second, but it was a two-hour season premiere of Survivor. Where is Jacob here on this list? Uh, it was a two-hour... It was a... Nope. Wrong person. It was a... <laughs> Jamie Dugan. It was a... Got guy right there. There, there's so many, there's so many, there's so many J names in, uh, so many J names in Survivor history. I, I couldn't find it there, but, uh, all right. So Jacob, he actually had, I was going through a lot of these confessional charts before it was a double episode. He had 15 confessionals in the double episode in a, in a two hour episode of Survivor. He had 15 confessionals, nine in the first hour, six in the second hour, and ends up pretty much self imploding his game by you know running off and trying to find idols and being like really sneaky and being that like super fan who like wants to like play hard right away he could have ended up being a david wright type player if he had just you know caught in a break or realized you know what i'm going a little bit too hard early because i know we remember at the very beginning david wright was like all over the place he was like you know he was kind of going hard for the idol and he was like not exactly in his element. Like that's kind of how I feel like Jacob was in this scenario. And they just pretty much got him, got rid of him right away for like going hard at the beginning. If he had just toned it down a little bit, he could have gone far. And like you told me when I brought his name up before we were talking, uh, before we actually started the show, a lot of people may have actually thought he was going far because he was getting so many confessionals early. I don't know what's more cringeworthy. Jatia pouring rice in the fire or Jacob pouring rice into the sock. I mean, he, I maybe I have to recant what I said before, where Drew Christie had the the fastest downfall. I think Jacob Durbin had a pretty fast downfall as well. Um, and I think that actually, as SP fan mentions in the chat, I think he's a super fan like Adam Klein. But I think Jacob just went really too hard at the start. I think he even tried to target Michael at one point, and that was not that was not going to go over well with some of the people on the tribe. And I just think he played way too hard, too fast. We see it all the time in Survivor and Big Brother. You have to basically find the right balance of playing the game, but also laying low. And I think he just went a little bit overboard there. And yeah, I, I would be interested to see if he holds the record. I know, I know double episodes are weird to count, but I would be interested to see if he has the record for most confessionals in a premiere episode, possibly. I think that's interesting. Yeah. So as Will says over here, quote, Famously declared Malolo the best tribe of all time. Mm, yes. Put Rice in his sock, got Navidi to send him to Ghost Island to save himself from being out first, and lost his shoes to the ocean. Literally all within a two-hour episode of Survivor where he ends up getting voted out. Um, yeah, I think Jacob is a for kind of I, I don't want to say forgotten, but he's a memorable, memorable early, early boot, like memorable first episode boot for sure. I, I think I, he literally cursed Malolo. I, I I wish there was like a sound effect or some kind of like lightning bolt behind him when he said, oh, we're going to be the greatest tribe of all time. 
Malolo is one of the worst tribes of all time. And I think <laughs> he cursed them in that one sentence. And I wonder if they made sure to include that because they knew how badly Malolo was going to do in that game. Yeah. So interesting fact, Jacob had 15 confessionals. That is more than Morgan, who was voted out right ahead of him. Brendan, who was two ahead of him. Um, more than um, Stephanie, also next. Um, James, also mm-hmm. next. Bradley, also next. He was also he had also had more confessionals than Libby, Desiree, um, Jenna, say it, say it. Chelsea, Chelsea. There we go. Purple Chelsea. There we go. And Sebastian. So Sebastian finished sixth. Jacob finished nineteenth, and Jacob had three more confessionals than him on the entire season. And Chelsea finished eighth, and Jacob had 11 more confessionals than her in the entire season. That's crazy. I, I would have guessed all those. If you told me guess who he has more than, I would have guessed all those except for Seabass. I, I would have thought Seabass had a few more, but it makes sense for the rest of them. Look, Survivor must have loved him. That's all I have to say. He was a great story early in the game. So, oh my God. All right. Oh, on to you. All right. I have to go with um, Allie Elliott from uh, Triple H, Alexandra. Um, I, she's somebody who like Chelsea kind of broke my heart because I had her going far in that season. I think I had her either for my first draft pick when I drafted that season, I thought she had a lot of potential. I loved what I saw in her bio. She's a fan of the game, but kind of like Figgy, you look at her, you wouldn't really think she's a fan of the game. I think she at the time was a celebrity assistant in Hollywood and that she was on the hustlers tribe. So I think she, I think being a hustler and being in her role was interesting because you obviously in Hollywood deal with a lot of eccentric personalities and on survivor, when they put you with people from all walks of life, you have to know how to deal with many different people and you have to keep a very stoic exterior. Cause if you kind of show that you're annoyed, it's not going to be go well for your social game. And I, th- I thought she did really well. She actually came in with a hidden connection where she and Patrick, I believe both went to Auburn so she, I think, had a outside-the-game connection where either she helped a friend move into his apartment. I think there was some type of second degree of separation there, and I think she knew how to cut her losses because she ends up voting him out in the third episode or the third tribal castle. And I think that also shows the mark of a great player. Like, you have to know when to, when to have good timing. You have to know um, when to make moves. I think you also have to know when to realize your mistakes, like with Stephanie, but you also need to realize when to cut your losses. It's one thing to vote with your ally, but you have to realize this is not getting any, any traction. I need to move forward with a different group of people. And I think that she showed a lot of promise. Obviously, she gets taken out by Ryan and Chrissy, two great players from the post-merger of Triple H, but I would like to see her get another shot. Yeah, I mean, I think you hit on a few good points. Um you know, good player, recent player, um, voted out early, um, had 16 confessionals in her season, um, through only six episodes, which is pretty good. That's almost three per. And I think that she's a pretty popular name that people bring up of people of pre-merge boots. So I could, I could see her being on the, on the ballots. I don't know if she would get voted in, but someone like, uh, Chelsea, I could see her name at least being put out there by CBS possibly. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So I may stick with, I think I'm going to stick with my ghost Island theme right now. Um, and I'm going to take Morgan from ghost Island. Um, she Morgan was somebody who was aligned with Wendell and Dom. And as, and as, um, as Dom told us, 
when he was on our podcast, like she was in with them and they, that was like one that was like the first time that him and Wendell were like, like blindsided. Maybe the only time, honestly, that they were blindsided, like the entire game by her getting voted out. Um, she, I don't know if people remember this. She was really, she was a really, really good character early on in that season. If you had asked me within the first couple episodes, who was going to go far in that season, I would have had her going far and she ends up finishing 18th. Um, only had six confessionals because it was kind of backloaded. She had zero in the first episode, two in the second episode and four in the last where she got voted out. But if you had asked me mid mid uh, third episode of Survivor, if she was going to go far, I probably would have said yes. Um, but she ends up going early. I, I just thought she was a really good character. So that's why I threw her in. Yeah, no, I think Morgan definitely showed some potential. I don't think she really went out due to any fault of her own. She obviously got taken out in a great way by James Lim, who I, oh, I might, I, I'm so torn on my last pick, but um, maybe I'll take James. I'm not sure yet. But I was, I was, I was hoping to possibly lead you in here to that pick. I, 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 I do love James Lim. I might have to go with it. But um, really quickly, <laughs> really quickly about Morgan though, um. I don't think it was any fault of her own. She wasn't, you know, strategizing badly. She wasn't not connecting with people. She obviously got in well with Libby. Um, and I just think that James with the minority, you know, give me James. We're already talking about him. It's a good, <laughs> a good segue. I think Ghost Island would have been a better season if some of the pre-merges went post-merge. But I'll kind of, I guess I'll lump them together. <laughs> I should have taken James from Palau. <laughs> nah, stuff. Um, but... I think that she did have maybe some potential and I think she could maybe do well on a second chance as for James going into my pick. I just think that, yeah, James, James's reaction getting voting voted out was great. Just staring at um, Angela with daggers, but he showed a lot of potential. I think he floundered a bit in some of the challenges, uh, some of the water challenges. Cause I'm, I'm pretty sure at college he was a sprinter. So he is good with running, but James was really great in the game. That minority vote split was something I did not expect to see from a new player season in the pre-merge. That was incredible the way Chris Noble goes to Ghost Island. James realizes, hey, you know what? Uh, Dominic, Morgan, and Wendell are trying to throw Angela under the bus to weaken Chris. We could just take her out and we have the numbers. But that's boring. Why don't we take out Morgan, who's a better player and someone who's a bigger threat to our game? Harvard guy, that's right. Um, and then he pulls off the minority vote split. And then he honestly, at, at the tri- at the next tribe swap, I think he comes very close to getting Angela, Angela to flip on the VD. It doesn't happen and he gets voted out. But I think he had a lot of potential. Yeah. I mean, like you said, pulls off a great move, minority vote split. Um, even though he wasn't good in the challenges, he was a great strategic, tra- strategic mind, knows a lot about survivors. So I think it's a good pick. Mm-hmm. All right. So for my last pick, all right, I, I got a few choices here. I'm deciding kind of between Russell Swan or Max Dawson. So I, mm-hmm. the reason I'm leaning Max here is because one, I mean, look, both are great characters. Max though, a little bit more recent was on the second chance ballot and, I feel like because of the second chance ballot, I'm going to give the edge to Max. Max was like kind of like a, he's like a really like weird quirky character, but one that was, I think entertaining and one that may have got that a lot in the edit, despite knowing a ton about the game. Um, and like I said, on the, ch- on the second chance ballot, didn't get in because there are so many great options, but 
I, I think, you know, he, I think it's, he's pretty underrated as a character player. And the fact that he's been asked back before is, is interesting. Yeah. No, I, I like the max pick. Um, it's tough because yeah, I, he's not interested in playing. I think specifically because of what happened with the incident in game changers. I think that's one of the biggest reasons why he will not come back to the show. And I think for another thing with the finale, but I won't get too much into that. There's a couple of reasons why I don't think he would want to come back, but I think if he ever did, he has potential. I think when he got voted out, Jeff told him like, dude, I think you have a lot of potential. I mean, he, he I think he taught a course on survivor. He was yes, a professor and taught a course. So he knows the game very well. Holds up, bro. He has a lot of that. Um, <clears throat> excuse me he has a lot of great um energy in terms of you know his quirkiness um i think he could i don't know i was gonna say i think he could, could he could go far but i don't know max dawson could go far or he could be a early boot in this season potentially as well and as for the russell swan pick i think russell swan is an amazing character i love russell swan's arc and survivor going from the chief of galoo a dominant tribe to getting medevaced and then going into Philippines for a second shot. And it goes horribly for him. <laughs> I love Russell's arc, but I also think Russell wouldn't want to come back. I think I saw interviews that he's, he's like, I saw my, my, my vote out and it, it hurts me to this day. So I don't think he ever would want to come back, but I love Russell Swan's arc. Um, yes, we will go into honorable mentions. Will in just one second, but I do also want to bring up, Vinesh, uh, I, I maybe I pronounced that wrong. Vinesh's um, comment: uh, Brand Steel would be pretty fun to uh, kind of uh, extrapolate how a season would play out, and kind of having to make up scenarios about how these um, episodes go. Yeah, that would definitely be interesting. We would we'll consider that one time for sure. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of different casts from our last, in addition to <laughs> our last seven drafts that we could all simulate so mm -hmm. but let's go into honorable mentions because i'm interested to hear what people think here in the comments so will he would you want you want to read this one ryan yeah i'll read it out loud yeah. uh will says would love to see some of these people mentioned as honorable mentions zane vince cowboy bill and billy so i'm not gonna lie i was gonna pick billy garcia just for the jokes um for my last pick but dylan kind of like led me into the James Lynn pick. I'm like, you know what? James is pretty cool. But Billy Garcia is amazing. We tweeted this today from the No Context Probes. I think that Billy and Candace is one of the most hysterical moments. I know we didn't really mention it on our top Survivor moments list, but it was so funny on a rewatch just seeing Billy and Candace's moment. Um, Bill Posley is a name I've, I've actually kind of forgotten about, but I think after what happened between him and Colton, I think he deserves a different chance on a different group of people. Vince Sly is a great character, and I think Zane Knight is an awesome first boot. So, actually, interesting. Bill Posley, I could, I like when you will when you commented that I was like, I like was drawing a blank, and then I was like, oh, like you, you mentioned from from One World, Bill, right? I, I just didn't, I didn't know the last name, right? Mm -hmm. It's from One World, right? Yeah, he he got screwed by what happened with Colton and stuff. That was not right. Um, so yeah, I think I think that was that's that's interesting that 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 was brought up. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I like all the other names that you mentioned, Will, as well. So I, I know Zane is a big joke in the Survivor community. People would go, go nuts if that guy ever came back. Billy Garcia. <laughs> um, also, thank you guys in the comments for um, anyone leaving. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we appreciate it. Um, I have three honorable mentions that I did not get to, get to take, Dylan, that I want to hear your thoughts on. 
And these are people that I actually did not see mentioned in the comments at all. So it would be interesting to see what people think of them. Uh, so one of them is actually also from Ali season triple H. I was thinking of Alan ball, Dylan, the uh, football player. Oh, he was just, he was just mentioned a little bit further up by Solomon. Oh, he was. Okay. Yeah. I think Alan was a fun character making JP uh, strip search. And I know he falls into that kind of trope of athletes really not doing well on survivor, but I thought he was fun. And then also from triple H I had a uh, Rourke. I, I thought Rourke had a lot of potential in the pre-merge. Uh, she gets taken out by Chrissy and Ryan, but I thought Rourke could have gone far. And the last honorable mention I had was Christine from South Pacific. Um, the one who goes on a run at, at Redemption Island, the, um, the Redemption Island beast. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of options. Um, we have so Kim and Caleb here and then Natalia, Natalia, I, she was on, um, what's these, was that, uh, she was on David versus Goliath, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I gotta be honest. I have not seen David Goliath on a rewatch since. Um, and, oh, it's, oh, it's great. Yeah. It's great. I, I have to rewatch it, but, uh, but, uh, Natalia. Yeah. Um, so Kim, I know so Kim people love as the first, she was the first boot, but like people like thought she had a ton of potential. So I could see that. And Caleb Reynolds. Um, I look, I, 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 th I could see it because he's a reality TV star as well. Um, but I don't know if survivor gives him another chance after what happened in game changers. So I don't know if, if, I, if I've ever mentioned this, Dylan, and I might be wrong. So people in the comments, please correct me if I'm wrong. I feel really bad for So Kim because I think she was actually meant to be on Sam Wendell Soar with her sister. She was. She was. I just read that the other day. Yeah, she was. And then she comes back for season 30 and she gets taken out first. I, I would feel I felt so horrible when I found that out that you were in the running. You just got cut out at the end and then you get your actual chance and you go out first. Um and I, I think so. She was put in a bad spot with that. Um, her and Joaquin had to do the good box or the bad box. And they made up the neutral box. But I think so had some potential. And uh, yeah, Nadia. Nadia is a good thing in the in the comments. And, you know, listen, Natalie Anderson can win the game. Maybe Nadia can do it too. So give the other 20 her shots. That's actually, Nadia is a great pick that I honestly did not cross my mind. But that is a great pick. And had I thought of that, that, had I thought about that before, maybe we, maybe, maybe she would have been on this cast. Maybe, you know what? Why, why don't we throw in Val Collins while we're at it? I, I love Val Collins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Winning that Survivor. Great season two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, that's, that's pretty much all I got for honorable mentions. I, I liked a lot of the comments. Do you guys have any, if you guys have any other things you want to say, honorable mentions, like throw it in the comments right now and we'll go through it. But, uh, I think that's pretty much it for me. Yeah, no, honestly, I love this. I love this cast. I know we always go, yes, Val has three idols. Val has four. <laughs> idols. Um, yeah. I, I love this cast. And I know we always say after each cast, we did a great job with this one. We did a great job. And I think if we ever go back and we say, which one was our best draft, it will be tough to figure out. But I think this is a really, really fun group. I think you have some great characters, you have some great potential players, and I think you even have some that are both great characters and great players. So I think this is really cool. And like we mentioned throughout this draft, I'm sure we'll see, it, if not on a second chance ballot, I'm sure we'll see some of these people come back in some capacity. Yeah. If there's no pre-merge boot season, which I don't expect there to be, let Survivor use this as potential second chance people because I think that all of them would be great. 
And yeah. I mean, in, in terms of talking about what we're doing for next week, we don't have anything planned. Um, you, what we did before was we had our first group of forecasting drafts and then we kind of went off and did top 20 moves, top 20 moments. And then we came back to four more drafts. So that being said, um, we're probably going to do a random topic next week. Um, we don't know what it's going to be. If you guys have any suggestions on a random survivor to- topic to talk about, then go for it. Throw them in the comments here, throw them in the comments on this video, um, tweet at us, DM us, whatever. We're open to any and all ideas. Um, also if we had to do cast another casting draft, I'd be down for that. Also, like we're, we're really up in the air of what we're going to be doing going forward. Um, we have plenty of time up until whenever the next survivor airs, considering it hasn't even filmed yet. Um, and just to give us the plug on social, if you don't follow us on Twitter already, we are at soul survivor pod. If you don't follow us on Instagram, you could follow us there at soul survivor pod. Um, like this video, it helped us out a lot. Be sure to comment people that we left out or your thoughts on the cast itself. Um, and if you don't know, we also are running an account that's called no context probes, which is a funny Jeff probes, videos, pictures, memes all the time. So we are going to keep that running. It is at no context probes. So be sure to follow that as well. Yep. Like Dylan said, we got nothing but time. So we look forward to all of your ideas. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, look, keep sending ideas and we'll keep it in the back of our minds, even if we're not going to do it next week. Sounds great. Other than that, if we have no other uh, questions or comments, we got nothing else for you. So as always, grab your torches and head back to camp. Good night.